Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Text Message. I'm Nate Langson. And I'm Ian Morris. And this week, the uh, the technology goose has led a, laid a riveting golden egg. Plentiful uh, eggs, you might in, say. W- indeed. Uh, within which we're going to find a delicious yolk of a hands-on with Samsung's new products being announced at Mobile World Congress, including the S7, and what it's planning on doing with virtual reality and 360-degree video. Uh, Ian and I have had our hands laid on this. Unfortunately, this podcast will publish after our non-disclosure agreements lift, so we'll come to that later. Plus, we have a protein-rich egg white of an explanation of what happened after I had my Uber account hacked this week very exciting to cancel a thief's journey while he's in the car uh at 4 a.m in my bed and what happened well you'll tell me later i'm going to tell you all of it later later. but before we uh cook and eat that delectable tech omelet let's talk about ad blocking ian because that has been the subject of much discussion this week after three, the mobile network with about eight or nine million customers in the UK announced that it is going to introduce network level ad blocking on mobile devices in the UK and in Italy. And it's going to do this in partnership with a Israeli company called Shine Technologies. And essentially what three is saying is that this is a way of giving customers a choice of a of a way to tackle what it calls in its press release at least excessive and irrelevant mobile ads so essentially once they decide how to implement implement this they're going to let users opt in and that's crucial it is opt in um to have adverts blocked before they even reach your phone thus reducing the annoyance of having irrelevant ads on your websites that you browse on the phone uh, but also reduce the amount of data that loading a website sometimes requires and uh, thus potentially keeping Three's network a little clearer of heavy ad downloads uh, and also your bills lower. Ian, what was your first response when you saw this? Fury, rage, anger. Oh, mate, I'm beside myself. I'm livid. I've had enough of it all, I'm telling you. Um, It's just not acceptable. I know we talked about this before and and, and we're able to come to an accord where we sort of could see some merit to it. And and indeed, I I was able to do that again to some extent with this. I I can see that 3 is annoyed because it's having to sort of move a lot of traffic around and that traffic isn't largely wanted by anyone. It's it's ads that play video and um, music and stuff like that and it's consuming bandwidth for no good reason. But... um, on careful consideration, I'm uh, I'm just I, I I just can't deal with this as a concept. It isn't for mobile networks to choose what data they do and do not serve. And I I put it this way: if you have a TV company, um, say ITV in this country, um, and you broadcast that on Sky, then that would be akin to Sky saying, "Oh, well, we don't like ITV's adverts. They're they're very garish and." Uh, I don't think they're targeted properly. We're going to insert our own better targeted ads over the top of them. Um, And of course, that would be, I don't know if it would be illegal, but it would certainly be something that would get Ofcom 
involved and, and would ultimately lead to Sky getting into trouble and perhaps even losing its license. And I view that very much the same way. I, I cannot contemplate the idea that three will be taking ads from publishers and not just not displaying them. Now, of course, well, individuals I- have the right to block ads if they want. They need to understand the consequences long term of that. But of course, I think they do. And um, of course, that's their choice. Um, when a network blocks your, blocks ads that you're using to pay for your site, then that is a different matter for me. And I, I believe that crosses a very distinct line. Well, I'm I'm in agreement with you on a lot of what you just said. But I think a couple of the issues are they need they need addressing. Let's say, and and here's here's why I don't think the TV analogy works. The, the reason why the TV analogy doesn't work is that it doesn't incur any additional expense to the TV viewer to have an advert coming into their television set-up box yes. from ITV. And one of the problems that we have with three, or rather with mobile networks, is that large irrelevant adverts take data to download, time to download, and don't add anything extra to the user experience. But th- those those adverts that play on TV are using data. You just um, because of the way that TV works in a linear fashion, and it's a broadcast, it's it's not available. But someone is paying for that bandwidth. Now, I, I understand you're, you're absolutely right. It isn't the same same argument at all. But even so, I think it's really it's. That three needs to understand that if it wants to be in the game of providing the internet to people, then that comes at a cost, and that cost is data. Now, there may be some users who are suffering because they have restricted data tariffs. Um, well, I mean, I would say that's that's a problem with the data tariffs and the fact that you know modern browsing um, is quite a data intensive thing. I mean, I look at Pageway all the time because I'll go to pages and be enraged by the fact they've got an animated GIF. Um, but there you go. That's a good example, isn't it? That, that, you know that most ads are going to be smaller than the animated gifts you might get on a BuzzFeed article or something mm, like that. You not could... necessarily because ads could be pre-roll video. But they and could, that's something yes. that this that this this could target. Before we go down a rabbit hole, I want to take uh, uh, take pick apart another argument. This is opt-in, so this is not something that all users are going to have switched on for them. This is something that they have to say, "I value this experience." this ad blocking experience i want to enable that and crucially there are a couple of things i've noticed when doing some research on this number one three has not said whether or not it's going to charge for this technology the second thing is that it hasn't said whether or not it's going to replace ads um so rather than just blocking them you know i think you were suggesting perhaps that maybe they might replace some of the language it hasn't said it's going to do that no some some of the language used sort of implied that that was a possibility. I, I do accept that that's not something they've come out and outright announced. Um, but what, what what was made quite clear is that they wanted, they said that customers deserve better targeted ads. Now, that to me says that three thinks it's able to target ads better and then would provide those ads. Now, it may be that three would say, okay, so we've got this big network. We, we will give money to the publishers whose pages we serve with our ads, which is another argument entirely, but that's not initially what it looks like. And of so course, it could, it, be a, it could be a two tier thing. So you're saying it could, it could be, lead it could, it could to be companies a good thing, saying, yeah. we will pay three mm. to deliver our ads if our ads pass threes or, or whoever's 
uh, guidelines for non-intrusive, non-excessive, relevant mobiles. Because that's what some of the ad-blocking add-ons for browsers do. Yes, and who, but who gets to design... Well, I don't like that either. Um, I, I, don't, I don't like the fact that you can pay to bypass an ad blocker. Um, and I don't like the fact that some... You know, I, I, I think that the... What, really, it has to be the responsibility of the ad networks and publishers to provide good adverts. Now, I am absolutely 100% in agreement that ads cross that line all the time and that that has to be dealt with. Um, and, of course, publishers need to kick up the arse as well to make sure that they um, do something with their ad networks to make sure that those they aren't leeching. You know, like, um, you know we see problems with malware all the time on on websites and, and things like that and as a, and it's almost always as a result of an ad network and that is something that has to stop um and i i think some legislation needs to happen about that as well but ultimately well, me- i just i think that th- what three did was very strange and uh, at releasing uh you know a, a putting out a press release like that saying you know we're gonna enable ad blocking on the network level is ex- an extremely odd decision to me because it it pretty much enraged everyone who works in publishing. And I, I realise that that's a bubble. But, of course, we understand the consequences of blocking ads if you do it in that way. And and, and you, you said that it's um, opt-in, but I didn't... I A lot of the reporting was that it wasn't... That, that hadn't been mentioned. But if it is mm. opt-in, that's fine, I suppose. I mean, arguably, that's just like using an ad block. It does depend how 3 sells it, though. Well, one of the other aspects to this is that in no part of its initial announcement did it ever mention the term web sites or web ads. It talks about advertising as a thing, as a as a whole concept, but the blocking generally refers to pop-ups and banner ads and things like that, which is presumably what it's going to target here. That only affects websites. That's not going to affect ads within apps, dot, dot, dot. No. Or is it? Because a lot of those ads are still served by the same ad network technologies. So is this going to cause ads within, let's just take the Guardians app, um, is it going to affect the ads coming into that? Because again, this is being blocked at the network level. This is getting blocked before the data even gets to your phone, within which Apple is normally very controlling over how things are displayed. But if it's blocking it before it even gets to your device, then this is effectively a um, it's a sort of man-in-the-middle attack, if you like, on your data stream. Could this affect apps? Because that's where a lot of companies now are making their money. Before you answer that question, it's not really a question, it's more of a statement, I suppose. But another thing I just wanted to raise as well to dis- to discuss here is that... You talked about um, customers maybe not, you know, not having to download these um, these these ads because it costs some money. And certainly, the the proposition here is that customers shouldn't be charged a lot of money to download these ads. So my question is, and really, I, to be honest, I was expecting this to be your question: is is that at what point is a customer even given the opportunity to pay for the content they get for free? You know, um, the customers. This I'm reading this from the three press release. Uh, three principal goals in deploying ad blocking capability will be one: that customers should not pay data charges to receive adverts. These should be costs borne by the advertiser. Yes. Why? Well, why give give someone the chance of paying for content? They've said that you know, and the, I think the IAB in uh, in one of its criticisms in response to this said that ads would effectively force consumers to have to start paying for content they currently get for free. Now, my question is, 
is that a bad thing? Um, well, I mean, I think that the, there is going to have to be, at some point in the next 10 years, a very real conversation about how content is paid for. Um, because, uh, you know, some of us work in organisations that make all of their money from advertising, and that's a general thing. Advertising probably will have its day, and I think people will move on to alternative revenue. This will end with publishers blocking three. So p- customers on three network, if, if say in the worst case scenario, if three does just outright say, well, we're going to block ads, I think that the, what will end up happening is that three will end up getting blocked by publishers. Um, and so it will continue for many years until mm-hmm. we all get past the advertising thing. But that's just yeah. my f- takeaway from the whole thing. And for anyone wondering how that would be possible, the, when you visit a website, you're telling that website before it loads your content, everything about your device, your screen resolution, the mobile network you're on, the mobile phone you're on, the mobile operating system that you're on. But it does mean that if you're accessing a website on three and three is blocking your ads, then it could be, as Ian says, um, that they could block that. But I want to leave everyone with one final thought on this to really take away we are moving into a space where the majority of of news consumption in particular is taking place on mobile. Um, advertising for a lot of apps like Facebook is primarily, overwhelmingly primarily, funded by mobile advertising. And if we're moving into a world where the biggest mobile, the biggest ISPs in the world are what we now currently call mobile networks, then there are serious implications for any future ISP being able to block ads or any type of content on behalf of a user before it even gets to that user, because, you know, that's going to set the kind of industry-style precedent that, that could cause arguments for many, many years to come. The fact that it's three, it's the smallest network in the UK, I think to some to some people right now might seem like it's therefore less of an issue. It's not like it's EE doing this or O2, which, by the way, is looking into doing this. We should probably say yeah. that as well. Um, but in the future, these guys are going to be your ISPs, and it's these sorts of decisions that you should probably be aware of that are taking place, because down the line, whatever happens on mobile is only going to get applied to desktop as well. So that's one to keep in mind. And uh, let us know what you think to this, of course, podcast at natelangson.com. Let us know your views and let us know whether you would opt in to a service like this. Uh, and if so, why? Mobile World Congress is happening as we speak, and fortunately the timing of this podcast being published uh, is, uh, well, the fortunate news is that it's after Ian and I's non-disclosure agreements lift for the Galaxy S7, the Galaxy S7 Edge, and the new Gear 360, which is a new accessory that Samsung is launching. Essentially, it looks like one of the old 1990s desktop webcams except that it has two fisheye lenses, camera lenses on either side, and films 360-degree video, which allows uh, any user to basically record video for virtual reality headsets or for the 360-degree video channels that uh, or formats that both YouTube and Facebook, to name just two, currently support. Shall we start with that? Because I thought that thing was wicked. Like as a, As an idea and an implementation, I just think it's really well done. 
Well, let's let's talk about the phones briefly because sure. a lot of these will be fairly self-explanatory to a, to a lot of people. The two phones so that we have the Samsung, the S7, the S7 Edge. Um, standard sort of specs as you would as you would imagine um in this country they're going to have qualcomm uh, powered processors 820 um general sort of expectations that you would have runs marshmallow for android um the design has been tweaked though so they brought back the sd card slot so you can expand the memory in the device they've also brought back the waterproofing which wasn't possible on the previous model but they haven't brought back the replaceable battery nah, but instead no they've one included needs that. Well, instead they've included a, a, a battery that has a higher capacity. I think it's 3,500 milliamp hours instead of the previous 3,000 that was on the S6. And that was always a couple of the main sticking points between the rivalry between the iPhone and the, and the mm. Galaxy is that the Galaxy always traditionally had the leg up of having a replaceable battery and expandable memory, which the iPhone has never had. They've got yes. bits of that back now. Do you think that's enough, Ian? Is the, is the S7... Is do you, in your experience, we both used it. Yeah, let's agree that they're they're nice. Phones. Oh, lovely! Is there is there enough here to get people going back to Galaxy because it's been slipping for a while? Well, this now. is what I don't understand, right? I mean, people talk about the phone slipping, and I I believe that's true. I don't think Samsung sold as many S sixes as it wanted to. No, it didn't. Um, but really, there's the only reason for that is I don't know because um. They're great phones. The S6 and S6 Edge are just phenomenal handsets, and the S7 and the S7 Edge carry that on. Um, They're much more incremental updates, so I don't think that anyone who bought an S6 or an S6 Edge will necessarily feel compelled to to rush out and get this new phone. I think the return of the microSD is somewhat significant. I think that that should actually... That could persuade some people, but I, I think the numbers are tiny. Despite the fuss that gets made online about people wanting removable batteries and micro SD cards, um, I, I seem to remember, I think it was um, Charles Arthur wrote a piece last year saying that Samsung knows how many re- you know replaceable replacement batteries it sells um, and it therefore has a pretty good idea about who is and isn't carrying a spare battery. I don't think the battery is the key thing. It's the, no. it's the memory. Because if you buy an iPhone and you want to buy more storage for your phone, on an iPhone, it's very expensive. If you go out and buy a, a, a Samsung with a small amount of internal memory, but you know that you can increase it to... It's going to support micro SD cards up to 200 gigabytes. Yeah. And, you know, even a 128 gigabyte micro SD card now does not cost very much and certainly costs a lot less but than... If it's less than, than 100 quid, it's worth it, isn't it, basically, in terms of what you pay for a step-up model to 128 gig? absolutely completely so i think that's quite i think that's quite significant but one of the things that i found particularly interesting about the the new s6 uh, the s7 sorry is they they have quite significantly upgraded the camera oh yes now this is is one of the the key selling points of the iphone because it's a brilliant camera cameras on android have never been fantastic but what Samsung well, has done... I, I would dispute that, because the S6 is great. Really great. Well, the S6, I, I agree. It got better and the, with the and S6. The G, and the LG G4 is very good as well, actually. Um, and but, all LGs tend to be. It's... um. The, the diff- I think one of the key things about LG is you do have to have it on manual to get the best, the very best out of it. And Sam- but Samsung's always done what Apple does, which is skillfully make that auto mode that is just near perfect and just gets the right shot, which is well, why are- Apple's always been brilliant with cameras. Well, there are a couple of things that Samsung's done to make to improve the the camera, and I think this is something that maybe could be of real interest to people who are considering an upgrade. You know, when you pair the the ability to expand the storage, the camera, the physical camera itself, has been upgraded, so it has a much wider aperture. 
which lets in about 25% more light, which is very important for low light scenarios. But um, the other thing that it's done is it has, it's changed the way that the pixels are manufactured so that every pixel on the sensor, and it's a 12 megapixel rear camera sensor, by the way. I was going to say, actually, because that yeah. didn't come up in my session and they didn't mention it. So it has dropped from 16 megapixels, basically. It's 12 megapixels, but the pixels themselves are actually larger now. Yeah. So each pixel lets in more light. But the other thing that it does is each pixel also contributes towards autofocus, which is great when you think about being able to take rapid shots in low light. You're getting the ability for a camera to focus very precisely on exactly what you want it to do and the resulting picture is brighter and sharper and clearer with less noise because it's allowed to let more light in so and this and the pixels themselves are larger we should so explain overall, right because apple apple uses the same technology for focusing doesn't it it's called it's um is it phase detection it is isn't it yeah but i think what samsung's done and I don't, i'm not sure if apple did this as well you might you might know is it's now 100 percent of the sensor that has these phase, dete phase detection every, um, every exactly it was and it was less than one percent on the previous model. yeah and so that's very significant because it, it means that the camera can tell it, it's basically like giving it a 3d image isn't it it's giving it two points of reference to which it can focus against and that's yeah. why it's so significant um and they have a they had a demo in the room which um which allowed it which was basically two things at different distances and one fell down and then it refocused to, to see to show and they had an s6 and the s7 and the difference in speed was really quite remarkable Mm. Well, we're going to get some uh, time with the, the cameras and, and take some test shots, but that's definitely something to look out for. But as you said, Ian, the other thing that they announced is the Gear 360, which is a 360-degree video camera. Very significant, I think, because this puts Samsung in an interesting position in the virtual reality and the 360-degree video market in that it can offer a complete package, both yeah. of production, of user-generated VR as well as consumption both on the phone itself and being able to share on YouTube and Facebook, but also on the Gear VR. Mm. So this is a system that would allow you theoretically uh, to take this 360-degree camera and place it in your living room, record, I don't know, record your uh, family rec um, opening Christmas presents uh, around a room on Christmas morning and then watch that back in virtual reality and be able to rotate your head around in order to view all the different angles of that that christmas scene that to me is kind of game changing as far as vr is concerned because no one else is 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 delivering like a complete package like that no and, and not we, with and an we uh, well not with an app and in quite the same way I, th I think it looked really good the quality was great yep it you know it there's room for improvement obviously it's a it's a first generation device it's not the the clearest picture but it's but it's, but it's still hd resolution but at you know 360 degrees and it's certainly good enough very good enough um for kind of family environments you're not going to make documentaries on it but for home videos it looks Great. Or, I was or given that very YouTube excited. now supports those without the need for VR, so you just upload the video and then you can move around with your mouse. And I mean, that's yeah. it's not ideal, but it's a good it's a good way of showing those videos. It means, you know, one of the big problems when you introduce uh, something a camera technology is that people can't use it. Look at those light field images that were coming out of the Lightro. You know, that's all well and good, but you need a special app on a special platform to to look at them, and that's just never going to take off. But with YouTube, you can just Chuck those um, videos online, and anyone member of your family can sit down and watch that video and 
scroll around the room and see all the different people, and that's brilliant. And then they then yeah. they're so enthralled by that they go out and buy a VR headset. The difference is all of this stuff has to be recorded so that the the device itself has a micro SD slot so you can put 200 gigs of storage into the device and the the files obviously can be then either recorded directly to the phone or you or you transfer them to the phone but you're not doing it live so this isn't you're not going to be able to live stream VR yet that's probably you know the next step because it takes quite a lot of computing power to to stitch and process these files also the files themselves are quite large um you know you're talking about a gigabyte for about four minutes of, of video it's very big it's actually in terms of total pixels it's actually close to 4k in terms of the amount of data it's, it's a it's an hd image it's, it's two it's, is it two times 2k so it's basically a 4k total but split across two cameras that's correct yeah. yeah it's it's basically it's impressive well, yes, it's what actually you described. to be fair i mean like technologically that's kind of really very cool well that's the reason i was so excited about this because it is exciting it's cool and and crucially if you imagine walking into or maybe not car phone warehouse but if you imagine thinking okay i really care about uh photography and capturing my own video this is putting you in a position where you could say well maybe i wouldn't upgrade for, to the s7 alone but for the S7 plus the ability to record VR and if you can get all that in a package that you know maybe you get one of them for free by taking our contract and you get the better camera on the phone itself i mean that's a pretty compelling deal sure is and it's it's something that's going to be uh, going on sale in mid march um i don't have prices to hand at the moment but you can assume it's going to be about the same as what the S6 cost um but but details even uh, under nda are, are still to be confirmed by by networks but um overall i think w- if you consider this a vr package very exciting mm. uh, and the phone itself is uh is pretty good let us know your thoughts podcast at natelangson.com you can look up ian and i's write-ups on our v- uh, respected publications probably just on google galaxy s7 ian morris or galaxy <laughs> s7 nate langson You'll probably find those there. Podcast at natelangston.com is where you can send your thoughts. Before we move into the final section of the show where we're going to talk about Uber, we're going to experiment with something that I'm doing in partnership, in tandem, you may say, uh, with Tom Merritt of DTNS, Daily Tech News Show, over in the US. He produces a daily technology news show Monday to Friday. I produce one on a Sunday and we thought wouldn't it make a lot of sense to get a heads up about what's coming up in the week of tech uh, from Tom and for Tom at the end of his week to get a heads up about what his listeners could look forward to on text message at the weekend so that's what we're trialing and uh, Tom included my segment on Friday's show Um, Tom what's coming up this week on Daily Tech News Show. Hey, thanks, Nate. Uh, Daily Tech News Show always bringing you whatever's in the news so it's hard to tell what's really going to happen. But as you know, Mobile World Congress happening, so we'll have lots of news about the new products being released then. Uh, Xiaomi's going to have their announcement on Wednesday, so that'll be coming up. We also have special guest Michael Wolf on the show on Friday to talk about the smart home, maybe even a little about the smart kitchen. That's all at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Talk to you later. Thanks, Tom. Now, Ian, let's move on to talking about one little thing before we finish up. This is Uber not specifically anything to do with tax or protests, uh, but me getting my account hacked, uh, which happened this week. How did that happen? 
honestly, I still don't know. I've never had an account hacked before. No. Um, and I've I, had no, none of my other accounts have been compromised. It's unusual. And Do you think there's some... Have you asked them if there's some... I mean, I, I don't know they'd answer you. I haven't, but, I, but I'll tell you two things that, that did happen this week. One, a friend of mine, also in London, also had his account compromised this week. Mm. And if you do some searching, there are a number of reports uh, from people who have also had their accounts hacked over the last year or so um, that it, it looks, it has characteristics of a company having a small data breach or security mm. breach, um, which Uber had denied in, in these previous reports. So I'm none the wiser. All I know is that my account had, there was no compromise to any other account whatsoever. Um, and they were very, very quick to solve it. But I, I, I thought I would, I would tell the tale about what happened because it was quite, it was quite odd. And I think it's very telling of what can transpire in a modern sort of app-based robbery, if you like, which is what I'm going to put this down to because the, the, I woke up at about 4 a.m. Uh, on, I think, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning from a phone call coming from a number in Detroit, which I didn't recognize. I assumed it was probably somebody from... Uh, one of our US officers calling and maybe wrong number or I didn't realize it was the middle of the night and I, I canceled it assuming they'd email or call back the next mm. day and it rang again and I canceled then it rang again and canceled and on the third time or, or fourth time that, that I canceled this call I was a bit more awake by that point I noticed that I had a string of Uber notifications on my phone's home screen things like you know your driver is arriving now or on journey or thanks for choosing uber things like this i was like this is a bit weird i had to check that i wasn't actually dreaming because that has happened before <laughs> um and i opened the uber app and had a look at my recent trips and it said um that the most recent was for a completed trip a few minutes earlier 238 dollars driving around detroit in the u.s I thought, this is very, very weird. I had to double check and realize, yes, this is this has happened. This has happening. Then I got another a notification or alert or, or noticed within the app that I was en route. This is weird. It's very weird. And I looked at the journey and I was able to look at the driver in the car, taking whoever this thief of a passenger was, driving him from some motel in the US to goodness knows where um, he was heading. And I thought, and I thought, what do I do here? And I pressed the cancel button to see if it would work. And he said, do you, are you sure you want to cancel this trip? And then before I pressed yes, uh, I did think, you know, this thief's going to be sitting in a car with a driver. And I sort of felt sorry for the driver because he's presumably, uh, you know, an innocent bystander in all this. But I thought, well, I can't just let it continue. So I pressed yes, cancel, said your trip has been canceled. And I then imagined the ensuing conversation in, in, the, <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the car. Um, and I immediately did everything you'd expect. I d deleted my uh, credit card from the account and I changed my password and I filed a complaint to Uber. I saw no more notifications or calls were coming in and figured, okay, I've done enough. I'll go to bed. So I went to bed, woke up three hours later when I was getting up and had an email, well, several emails actually from Uber um, that were basically things like, you know, the account has been, password has been changed for you. And they refunded all the journeys and, you know, a note saying, you know, we're sorry to have seen this, but we've refunded it. And we've also blocked the physical device that was being used to make these fraudulent journeys. Wow, in, that's interesting. In the US. And I thought, well, this is, you know, this is, this is great. And 
you know, I'm not an Uber apologist, nor am I an U Uber hater. I just use it because currently it's the most convenient thing. But I did think, feel that, A, it was sort of worth mentioning um, how a situation like that is, is handled. And I thought it was, it was very, very good. I mean, it was incredibly weird to be able to look on a Google map on the app and see exactly the route a driver was taking the thief of my account. And I did some Googling later that day, and, and there are reports that you can buy hacked uber accounts on the dark web for you know between one and, and five pounds you know very 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 little and a number of other people have had have had massive bills and some people have theorized that there was a data leak that uber's denied and some of those accounts uh those account details and passwords ended up for sale on the dark web mm. and you know i i've got no evidence either way to say that is or isn't what happened to mine um but it's the only time i've ever had an account compromised and certainly there's nothing about my uber account that was any significantly different from you know any other account i've got so i uh i, I did wonder but and i felt sorry for the driver as well because i'm, I'm hoping that me getting my refund doesn't stop the driver getting his <laughs> money because well, i very much doubt that mate i'm afraid i mean it, it isn't something that you should worry yourself about because it's really not your problem um it, but i i mean I, I get why you're concerned but i seriously doubt uber will have given that driver any money for it I, I hope they do because, you know, it, it feels to me like that it's not the driver's fault, nor is it my fault. And, you know, I'm getting refunded. The driver should not be penalized for that. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I hope that, that, you know, the thief's, I don't know. Well, you should get in touch with them and see what happens. I mean, what happens when you cancel an Uber mid-journey? Well, that's it. I've, I have I presume an nothing. Email. I assume it just um, ends up carrying on to its destination but um mm. i because I, I mean it, otherwise everyone could just cancel their uber in the in the car couldn't they and uh, yes you know so who knows but it'd be, well, that's it'd be what interesting I'm to find into. out yes yes i'm good. looking into it uh, presently trying to find out what happens in this in this scenario but the the reason other than just for general interest that i wanted to include this on the podcast is because i wanted to know if any other listeners out there have had a similar experience have you had your uh, Uber account compromised? Have you any idea why it might have been compromised? Have you spoken to Uber about it? Um, has this happened to any other ride-sharing service? Um, that Because obviously there are a lot of similar competitors to Uber around the world. And I'm curious to know what the experiences are like. Podcast at natelangson.com. I'm going to carry on looking into this with Uber to see if I can get to the bottom of the uh, you know of what happened and what generally happens in these situations and hopefully you guys can uh, let me know if you've had any similar experience but that's about as much as we can we can go on for for today so ian it is with great sadness uh, that i must say goodbye uh, um see you next week then with um, mwc news indeed we'll look forward to catching up on that on next week's program catch you later guys What we bit nom nom fish lips. <laughs> fish lips. Just eating a fish. A oh, whole fish. Uh well, one of one of the flanks. <laughs> one of the flanks. Okay. Yeah. Cod. Oh nice. From the uh, from the North Atlantic. Battered or without? Uh, sort of a lightly breadcrumb. Oh nice. I, I would say. The healthier a, choice, I think. Yeah, yeah, with a side order of potatoes. Ah, oh, yum, uh, yum. A little crescent of of peas there. Fr fried potato, you know, chips. Uh, or? No, 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 no. They were they were new potatoes. Oh, I love a new potato, mate. Uh, you know, delicately boiled. Lovely. Um, and then uh, for the sort of final five or six minutes, I added some carrot batons oh, and some crispy, sweet little peas. Del was, uh, delightful, chief. What a delightful little meal.
It was it was wholesome. I'll be honest. <laughs> it was it was wholesome. Next week on lunch with Ian and Nate. <laughs> yes. Hashtag what I'm swallowing. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.